Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Buzz, where we talk about all things economic development. Kara here today with Nexon Pruitt's Tushar Chikliker. Tushar, as you all know, is the head of Nexon Pruitt's Economic Development Group, and he's here today with a tub of coffee. Yes, um, it's much needed this morning for, for reasons we won't discuss, uh, but um, it, it is in a South Carolina ports nice. service as well, which is right on brand for our interview Exactly. Today. There's like a premonition here. Before we get to our interview, though, yeah. you know, you're a dad. Are you starting to have those talks about, you know, what's going to be in the Christmas list and starting to look around? Because as you hear... And as you know, there's talk of supply chain issues. Right, right. It's Yes, we are having those talks, although I will say it's not so much a discussion as it is <laughs> a dictation um, to, to me and my wife as to what um, the kids would like to receive this year. Yes. I have responded that, hey, you know, it might be tough, especially if things yes. are coming through the West Coast ports. Yes. Um, for, the, for their presence to get here on time. Yes. And then they reminded me, what does that have to do with Santa Claus? <laughs> That's right. And I didn't really have an answer to that. Well, so. you know, we're about to talk, speaking of ports, we're about to talk to Santa's helper here That's today. Right. Um, the good news is, as you alluded to when you talk about the West Coast, is the South Carolina ports have fared because fared rare, very well because of steps they've taken over the years um, during this turbulent time. And here to tell us more about that and much more is Micah Malice. Micah is the Senior Vice President of South Carolina's Ports Authority, where he's worked for over a decade now. Thanks for being here, Micah. It's my pleasure. It's the first time I've ever been introduced as uh, Santa's helper. But <laughs> I'll try and live up to that. Seriously, that, that's a big, big title there. Um, and you know what? We were talking about holidays and good news, and there's a lot of good news circulating around the ports. Um, you had record-breaking volumes during the pandemic. In Q1, the Port of Charleston handled more retail goods than ever before, record container volumes and retail imports. You all make it look easy, and, and I know there's a lot going on behind the scenes there. So I guess just get us started with what were those steps? Why have we fared better at South Carolina ports and other ports around the country? You know, it's there's it's a very complex supply chain and certainly a very complex there. Could, one could give you a very complex answer. I won't. Um, I think in simple terms, there are a few factors that have kind of been the wind in our sails. Some luck, some good planning, um, some just the nature of the supply chain. Um, number one, you see ships at anchor and backed up. And this is everyone's becoming a supply chain expert reading the newspaper these days um, in places like L.A. and New York and Savannah. And, um, you know, if you look at all of the goods that come into the U.S., 60% of them by volume come into those three port markets. Um, and the pandemic, what the pandemic did was kind of turn off production and procurement for some number of months. And then we saw Americans just go crazy um, buying a bunch of stuff for our homes and, and all the rest and kind of replacing our service spend with goods spend. Um, and so volumes are you know, astronomically higher than anyone ever predicted they would be in any given year. Um, and so the ability of certainly those three markets um, to react to volumes that are certainly much higher than they had forecasted is, is tough. I mean, the supply chain, the infrastructure is rigid. Um, so then why have we fared better? Um, certainly, I think we are very fortunate in that we started a, a major push to modernize, improve upon 
um, and deliver more capacity um, via you know a billion dollars in a new terminal, our new our new Hugh Letterman terminal, a half a billion dollars in improving our Wando terminal, um, and another half a billion half a billion dollars in other uh, assorted infrastructure investments, and those all kind of hit right at the right time. We got lucky in that certainly. Um, but we hope to keep our infrastructure ahead of our demand curve so that we can always respond to spikes in volume. And we've been very fortunate. We've been able to throughout this and, and remain fluid. So, Micah, you know, we, we've all on the, on the news seen these um, uh, horrific images um, of, you know, I for one, we didn't get our Halloween um, inflatable. Um, it was a you know, serious issue at, at, at the house. I got to ask, wait, what, which one was it? it? Was, I won't go into detail. It was horrifying. <laughs> that I'll just say that um, on a number of levels. Um, but, you know, we've all seen the images off the coast of, of L.A., right? And, and you know, um, you've explained well kind of why that hasn't happened yet in South Carolina. But what, what it has highlighted is supply chain issues, to all companies, you know, I mean, I think supply chain issues when, when it comes to serving the North American market, particularly the U.S., it's been on people's radar for a while, companies' radar uh, overseas for a while, but COVID really has magnified that, right? So, so how, I guess, how is our port um, is set up to, to handle this sort of onshoring, reshoring, or shoring for the first time of facilities? How can we benefit from that? You know, the, the, what's interesting, this is the first time in my career that I've seen this and first time I've talked to people much older than me and that, that they have seen this, where companies, when they analyze where they want to locate, when they analyze the supply chain that's going to that's gonna support a facility decision, cost is not number one. Um, cost has forever been the, the driving factor in any business decision. And right now, it's not from a supply chain perspective. It's not the number one consideration is is effectively capacity. Is there capacity in the labor market? Is there supply chain capacity, transportation capacity, whatever, um, to to handle um, that company's investment? Um, and I mean the the beauty of South Carolina, the beauty of our port system, the beauty of what the state has put in. Um, to infrastructure around here is we, we do have the capacity. Um, and it's interesting to me because I've spent 10 years calling on companies, trying to get them to look our way. And today they're calling us. Today they're saying, we know you have capacity. We want to understand, you know, is it too good to be true or is it real? And if it's real, then why, you know, why, why are we not already there? Um, and, and we're actually solving more for how to get people here faster than, than really you know, a building can be built or, or whatever, um, then we are solving for, you know, here's how we reduce, you know, one increment of cost in your supply chain. It's an amazing change. So this is a question for both of you, really, because as if people didn't need more reasons to come and set up shop in South Carolina, because it is a great state, you know, you didn't hear a lot about the ports until the pandemic, until things went wrong. And now there's this micro focus on it. So with you, Micah, getting calls and, and Tushar and your line of work, are we starting to see a, a mindset change, an influx of folks because the ports are doing it right? Are you both seeing, you know, uh, what does that mean for us? Are, are people going to start coming here, more businesses in droves? 
Well, and before Micah jumps in as it relates to the port specifically, I can tell you that, you know, I've been meeting with with a number of companies, particularly out of Asia, um, recently, and and um, and I've done that for years, and the port has not been. It's been a topic of conversation, but maybe not the lead topic. It is now every every conversation the lead topic for companies that utilize a port. It is the lead topic of conversation, and it is something that. You know, a lot of a lot of Asian companies specifically have been t- traditionally using the West Coast ports um, to bring their products in um, into the U.S. and that's just not um, going to be feasible. And they see that it's it's staring at them literally in the face on on television and on social media. And so, um, and they see that that's not an issue. Capacity, Micah brought it up earlier. It's not an issue um, here in Charleston. So yeah, it is. It is. It has become a lead topic of conversation, particularly with the Asian companies. And you know, Asian um, FDI is really growing recently, and will be growing for the foreseeable future. I agree. We see more opportunity today than we have ever seen um, in terms of long-term site location economic development um, opportunity. It's 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 an incredible time. As far as um the planning for this, again, if you follow economic development, Jim Newsom, um, the change of guard, everyone's kind of, you, Barbara Melvin, you're all rock stars. And Micah Malice. Exactly. Also a rock star. Included, you all are rock yes. stars. So where do we go from here? I, I feel like, again, there, there were questions leading up about the investment South Carolina was making. I know, you know, there were some hard fought battles as far as dredging, but it really all has paid off. So now that we are set up for success, where are you looking as we go to the next five years? Because uh, depending on how the pandemic turns, um, there still are going to be challenges. This isn't something that's going to fix itself overnight. I mean, we. You know, I hope we're not uh, hopelessly optimistic about this, but we see this as a springboard moment. Um, You know, times of kind of strife and challenge in the global supply chain tend to be good for us. We've never gone through a time as as challenging as this. Um, And so all the more opportunity seems to be knocking on our door. And the fact that we that our infrastructure is right sized for growth and no other major U.S. container port seems to be able to say that. Um, it's, it's kind of our time, if you will. Um, and I think that certainly our state has done a fantastic job of, of backing our investments with their own investments, making, uh, uh, investments in infrastructure that, and of course we all would love to see more infrastructure investments. I know. Um, so please no, no emails or calls that that I'm misstated, (laughs) but I think our state has been aggressive in, um, in supporting business development and supporting economic development and growth. Um, and so it's, this is our time. We expect certainly to see above market growth, certainly for the next couple of years as people's or before people's memories fade. Um, and so we're kind of trying to make hay while the sun shines. So Micah, a, a lot of, you know, we've heard, and I think it's really apt more so now than ever, that the port is South Carolina's face to the world. And, and it really is that. Um, and I think folks are starting to realize that, certainly. What, what I didn't know was just the, the annual, the massive annual economic impact that the port generates. Um, I read the number 63.4 billion, one in 10 South Carolina jobs created as a result of port activity. 
But one thing I think um, folks that don't work um, as closely with you and your team realize is that you know the port, yeah, it's located, the Charleston port is located in the low country. But the economic impact that that port has is not localized to the low country by any stretch of the imagination. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I appreciate you bringing that up. It is, it is a bit of a misperception. And incidentally, it was a misperception for us to change internally, too, um, that you know our economic impact, the $63 billion worth to the state, is truly statewide. And in fact, you know, it took us kind of uh, seeing the numbers. Joey Von Nessen, Dr. Joey Von Nessen uh, does this study for us, does a fantastic job, by the way. Um, you know, we learned in, in our most recent study, $63 billion uh, statewide of that, um, 33 billion of, of that is in the upstate and 15 and a half, 16 billion is in the Midlands. So the low country, 8 billion is actually on the low side. Um, so the job and, and the job numbers follow that statewide impact is 63 billion, uh, 33 billion of which is in the upstate, 16 billion in the Midlands, and only 8 billion in the Low Country. We are truly a port for the state, um, and I think that you've seen that in some of our investments. We, you know, built Inland Port Greer, built Inland Port Dillon, trying to tie different parts of the state obviously with a better supply chain model, but also trying to tie us closer to other parts of the state in which we do a lot of business. Um, and so I think that I appreciate the question because it is a misnomer that this is a kind of a port for the Charleston area. It's really a port for the state and for that matter for the Southeast. And I would assume again for both of you guys, that now it's a huge selling point, right? So we have a, a large economic development audience. What are you telling folks? It, are they getting it? Is this now the time to start going out when you're recruiting more business to have that on the top of the list? You know, the, the excellent things going on? Yes. I mean, I, I think I think for those of us in the, in the statewide economic development community, in the local economic development community, the ports, I think the port has been, in, you know, in, in the top tier of selling points for South Carolina for, for some time and for good reason. But absolutely for the for for the prospects that would utilize the port it should now be you know that you know um, capacity in the port and now workforce are going to be prop you know the two central issues um i think for companies looking to locate anywhere in the u.s at this point um and that's and that's bearing out during all the prospect meetings and then even meetings with site selection consultants i've had those are the two primary issues when it comes to locating in the southeast micah did you have anything else you know, it's it's just uh, it's it's a great thing when you have a, a vibrant state with which to use kind of a, a blank canvas, if you will, when when a prospect comes in and says, I want to locate in the southeast, but where should I go? Um, you know, it always, of course, depends on their business, on their supply chain model, on their labor expectations, on all the rest. But we do. We have a state where one can go almost anywhere and be quite happy with the with the outcome. So we're we're I mean. It makes our jobs, I think, I think both of our jobs, Tushar, it makes them, them a lot easier than if you're in a state where, you know, there's there's a great area that's business friendly and there's there's others you don't want to go to kind of thing. Well, and as to workforce, obviously it's a it's a huge issue for, for companies considering South Carolina. But uh, you know, let's take a moment and applaud the the South Carolina ports for your workforce. Um, you know, you, you, your, your average wage, I believe is somewhere around 30 to 35% higher than the state, state average. 
and as I understand, you're growing and hiring, and um, you know, I've I've got the great pleasure of being a port ambassador in the port ambassador say, class this year. Yes, it's really cool. And, and so I've, I've already seen it firsthand. Your you know the the, the professionalism, the competence, um, the good nature uh, of your employees. Um, can you talk a little bit about your employees and, and your growth plans? Absolutely. Um, we we learned a really valuable lesson in the pandemic. Um, and that is first and foremost, you have to take care of your employees. Um, so then the two years preceding the pandemic, we were ranked in the highest and quite high uh, among the best places to work in South Carolina. Last year, we weren't. Last year, our employees let us know um, they weren't as happy with us. Um, and a lot of that stemmed from, or we think all of that really stemmed from our operators, the folks who are running cranes and, and whatnot on terminal behind me, they were overworked. We thought it was kind of the end of days when the early pandemic started, we thought demand was just gonna completely dry up. We stopped hiring, we stopped, uh, therefore we stopped training. I mean, there we kind of went full stop thinking this could be a terrible time. And, in, and it went the other way. Instead, the, the volumes went through the roof you know, and our folks were overworked. Um, and so we are, we have, uh, uh, you know, kind of gone through a process to really right that ship, if you will. Um, we've hired almost 150 new people, most of which are on terminal, most of which are operators. Um, that is, that is certainly, a, 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 you know, a testament to our focus on remaining fluid. And the customers we talk to are, are just unbelievably, confident when they hear that, that we're going to remain fluid um, or certainly do better than others that are not investing their people. But it's, it's most critically, it's, it's kind of uh, an indication to our folks here that we're not going to work you to death. We're not going to expect 80 hours, you know, 40 hours of overtime and whatnot. We hear you. We want to get back to being a, the best, you know, preferred employer in South Carolina. Um, and we've got to give you some time off. Um, and so we learned a valuable lesson that really, at the end of the day, you can have all the infrastructure, all the cranes, whatever. And if you don't have happy, happy employees, you're not going to be the best that you can be. So we're, we're writing that right now. Well, we're running out of time, but speaking of uh, great work environments, we can't let you go without talking about what will be Jim Newsom's legacy. And of course, as a a female, it's great to see Barbara, you know, stepping in to take over that role. Um, it just, it feels like the strength of the team. And, and again, you included and, and the group there um, has just done some really tremendous thing. This team effort. Is that what you see? We see it. We feel it a hundred percent. You know, Jim was um, a catalyst. He was a catalyst for growth. He was a catalyst for right-sizing our infrastructure and planning for this incredible time right now. Um, making some very challenging business decisions. Um, that was, we needed it. We were in a hard place. We were not the port, the, the best port that we could be when Jim took over. Um, and, and we sit here today and we are, I think unequivocally, we have the best infrastructure with the best asset base of the major U.S. container ports. We remain fluid in a time when others aren't. And, and Barbara has run our operations now for several years. And so that fluidity comes from her shop. Um, it is really, um, it, is, it is the way it should be, I guess, to see continuity of leadership where the person who has really been running the bulk of our business will now run all of it. 
um, and, and a face that, you know, all of us in South Carolina know and know very well, um, someone who can get stuff done in the state um, and is highly respected. I mean, I think that's what, um, where we stand today in our business, that's what's needed. Um, and so we're extremely fortunate. Um, and I think we will, Jim always says the best, you know, our best days are still ahead of us. And, and we certainly feel that with Barbara taking over. Well, I think on behalf of South Carolinians, thank you to Jim. Uh, thank you to Barbara. Thank you to you. Thank you to other great team members like Jordy Yarborough um, and the entire South Carolina Ports team. It is, um, you know, uh, when, when you say that it is really the face to the world, um, it really is that. It really is that. And um, our state is a lot better for all of your efforts, and, w- and we greatly appreciate it. We'll try and live up to that, Tushar. Thank you for that. Um, but, you know, ultimately, everyone, it's, it's interesting. Everyone here comes to work and is motivated in a different way than a traditionally just private enterprise. I mean, they feel, even our crane operators, you can ask them. And I think a lot of them feel a, a, a little piece of ownership in the growth of this state that we all, that we all call home. And, and so we feel very fortunate for that position. Well, we appreciate you. And I, I'm going to give you an extra shout out for the ports vase that um, Tushar is using to drink his coffee out of this morning um, because we all needed a little extra caffeine. I couldn't find anything bigger, actually. This is the biggest receptacle that I had to contain the coffee. Well, thank you so much for being here. Micah Malice is Senior Vice President of South Carolina Ports Authority. We appreciate your time and, and we look forward to checking in with you again in the future. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Micah. And thank you so much for joining us on The Buzz. If you haven't checked out some of our past episodes, go check those out and make sure you like us on all the social channels as well. We'll see you next time on The Buzz.